0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob, hanging out talking my favorite hometown, Cleveland sports, as always with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: Not much, man. Had a great time this weekend. Uh, I think you know what happened, man. You are no longer a bachelor. or Won't be in six weeks here, man. Had a great time hanging out with you and all your buds down in Nowhere, nowhere land, Ohio. Yeah, uh, very peaceful, very fun. So I think it was nice to just kick back, relax, and have a good time, wouldn't
0: you say? Yeah, definitely. You know, this is a, a recording, so I, I can't go into any detail of what happened. Uh, but it was fun. I appreciate you putting that together. It was really fun.
1: What happens in middle of nowhere, Ohio, stays yeah. in middle of nowhere, Ohio. Right. Definitely. That, that's the that's the motto that you see when you get off the highway and drive yeah. for an hour to where we had to get to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't even know where we were driving to because the roads were so windy and stuff.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, I'm glad we didn't drive in the dark because apparently that was really scary for some of the guys that did. But um, yeah, yeah, it was fun. I, I I appreciate that that whole weekend. Definitely a, a good time. You know, one of the first things we uh, did uh, over the weekend was watch that Game Six Celtics versus Wizards uh, game where uh, John Wall won it for the Wizards and. In, in, in a buzzer beater that forced a game seven of wizard Celtics, which just, uh, went down, uh, last night, uh, as of this recording. So, uh, the Celtics coming out on top of that series in a, in a seven game series. Um, that means the Celtics drew the straw and get to go to the Eastern conference finals and face our Cleveland Cavaliers who have been on a hiatus of 10 days, Chris. Uh, it has been ages since the Cavs have played, but they, uh, are going to face the Celtics, uh, the one seed versus the two seed, uh, starting on Wednesday night. Uh, Chris, is this the matchup that you wanted given the Wizards and the Celtics?
1: Well, as a Cavs fan, I certainly wanted the Celtics more than the Wizards. I I feel like the Celtics will be an easier team for the Cavs to deal with than the Wizards. I know that sounds odd given their seeding, and I know that sounds odd given that the fact that the Wizards just lost to the Celtics, but I actually do feel the Cavs got the easier matchup here in the Boston Celtics. I was far more scared of the Washington Wizards than I was the Celtics. Not that I thought that the Wizards would beat the Cavs, but I did think that if the Cavs played the way they did against the Pacers, they could have lost to the Wizards. Now, if the Toronto Raptors Cavs show up neither of these teams had a shot because the Cavs in the second round I think finally looked like the dominant Championship level team we've been waiting to see. Even though they swept the Pacers, they did not look. I mean, they they easily could have been tied two two or even down three one to Indiana just with the way they played in in, in those fourth quarters there. Uh, but then against Toronto, the Cavs turned it on and really uh, have started to look like a championship level team. So if the Cavs continue to play the way they did in the second round. I didn't think Washington would have been that much tougher. But to answer the question, ultimately, I think Boston is definitely an easier matchup, even though they have home court, even though uh, they're the higher seed. I think that that is just in name only. It's essentially Cleveland saying, look, we didn't want the number one seed. We just wanted to make sure we were playing our best basketball. And it looks as if finally the Cavs are doing just that.
0: Yeah, I think this postseason has worked out perfectly for the Cavs so far. I mean, how can you argue with an 8-0 start, two consecutive sweeps uh, through the first two rounds of, of the postseason, especially considering uh, all the drama questions that we had about this team heading into the end of the regular season. Um, so that that was fantastic. And they, they uh, entered the postseason on the opposite side of the bracket of both the Wizards and the Celtics, who, considering the field of all the playoff teams in the Eastern Conference, I'd say those were the two best challengers to the Cavs, um, and they had to, to duke it out against each other before even drawing the Cavs. So one of those teams would eliminate the other uh, for Cleveland. I think that worked out perfectly for them, um, and I'm really glad that that Wizards Celtics series happened. Uh, not only because it went to seven games and there's some fantastic moments, but it really uh, illuminated some things for me and, and humanized the Wizards. Because heading into the postseason, I was concerned as you uh that washington posed a very serious threat against cleveland and i think in a one game playoff if it was just one game the wizards certainly would 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 have a shot but we saw in that seven game series beyond john wall and bradley beal uh they have a lot of questions of depth and issues and they can't they don't have the flexibility to adjust so i think that series really humanized the wizards for me and i realized uh at the end of that series that Regardless of who won that series, the, the Cleveland has a very, very strong chance to sweep either of those teams. Now, I, I think marginally, yes, uh, the Celtics uh, pose less of a threat to the Cavs. So I, I'm glad that uh, the opponent that I consider weaker ha- has advanced and now gets to play against Cleveland. Um, but I, I, either way, whether it the Wizards or the Celtics heading into this series, uh, I think it, it, I think. Uh, the Cleveland has a very strong chance to sweep, and I think they have a strong chance to sweep against the Celtics. Uh, Chris, what what does Boston need to do, or what chances do they have to make this a competitive series to push it to six or seven games, or even even win the series?
1: Well, let's not underestimate the fact that Boston is deeper than Washington. I, I I think it's it's interesting when you compare Boston and Washington. Boston, I mean, Washington was more top heavy. They had the two best players maybe two of the three best players if you throw Isaiah Thomas in there on the floor in John Wall and Bradley Beal but then after they're starting five the depth really falls off whereas Boston is kind of a team that has the depth but doesn't have the megastar and, and that's no disrespect to Isaiah Thomas he certainly is ascending to superstar status but but I don't think Isaiah Thomas by himself is is the kind of guy who's gonna get your team to the NBA finals. I I mean, all superstars need help when you have such concentration of power in Golden State, the Clippers, Cleveland, San Antonio, have so many of them on the same team that you know, Isaiah Thomas may be a superstar, but but he's only one superstar on that team. They need more help for him. And he's a superstar point guard, which seemed to be a dime a dozen in this day and age in the NBA. Uh, so I, I think beyond Isaiah Thomas, the, 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 the Celtics may be deeper than the Wizards, but I don't think they have this overflow of talent. So to answer your question, Bob, we all know that Isaiah Thomas is going to have to play big. He has played tremendous this postseason. There is no correlation between Isaiah Thomas having a bad game and the Celtics winning or losing. He's had bad games and they've still won. He's had bad games and they've lost. He has been solid and strong throughout. I expect that to continue, though I do think the Cavs can throw a number of different perimeter defenders at him to maybe shake him up, and maybe he'll score a lot of points but won't have the impact Of a superstar. Because as you as all NBA fans know, there is a difference between just scoring a lot of points and having a fingerprint on the game. So if the Cavs can keep him from doing that, that's certainly big. But to answer your ultimate question, what can the Celtics do? They need to get a big game from someone else. And I know this is a cursed name in Cleveland. No one wants to hear Kelly O'Linick. But if you watch that game seven, if Kelly O'Linick played the way he did against the Wizards in game seven against the Cavs. The Celtics might actually have a shot. He scored 26 points. He was 10 of 14 from the field. He hit two three-pointers, five rebounds, four assists. Uh, five fouls was probably the only black eye on that game. He was tremendous, especially in the fourth quarter. I know Cleveland fans don't want to hear that, but if Kelly Olynyk or somebody like that steps up and gives them a support role that strong, then they might be able to push this series to maybe six and if things go right, if the Cavs revert into their bad habits, maybe even pull a big upset. But but they need to get more help beyond just Isaiah Thomas. Somebody has to have an Olynyk like game seven four times against the Cavs in order for them to win this series.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. You know, Olynyk, you know, kind of emerged in that game seven, and if they're able to to finally get some production um, from their big men, uh, you know, impactful production um that that will change the the complexity of the matchup for sure you know i I was looking at al horford um he you know on paper is is by far the celtics second best player on on this team and if if you're looking at paper he might be considered the best player just because of some of isaiah thomas's deficiencies but i I would say he's soundly their second best player and he's getting paid like it um he needs to step up and and have a a fantastic postseason series against cleveland um you know, he, he, uh, this year, uh, this playoffs has definitely been his most efficient and probably his best playoffs, uh, to date. Uh, but the Cavs have owned Al Horford over the past two seasons. He's 0 and 8. Now all, all eight of those losses came uh, when he was with the Atlanta Hawks, but Al Horford's individual performances, uh, in those eight games are nothing to speak of. I'm just going to rattle off his plus minuses for all eight of those games, minus seven, minus 26, minus 22, minus nine minus seven plus four minus 27 and plus two uh, he has not been able to to keep up with tristan thompson and kevin love on the glass uh his playoff best of those eight games in terms of rebounding was seven total rebounds while tristan thompson's low against al horford in those eight games was seven rebounds uh so the 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 calves are just gonna out rebound the snot of the celtics and this has been a problem for the celtics against the wizards particularly against the bulls uh, they can't clean the glass. Uh, and and the Cavs with Kevin Love, with LeBron, uh, with Tristan Thompson uh, eat offensive rebounds, rebound everything uh, that they can. They they can also stretch the floor just like Olynyk is able to do and Al Horford is able to do. I, I think the Celtics, for all their moving pieces, don't have an answer for what Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love can do on the glass, and I think that, you know, uh, when i'm predicting a sweep there's gonna be a number of downfalls for the celtics but if it becomes a competitive series in any way uh it'll be rebounding it uh that will be cleveland's saving grace in this series
1: and let's not forget that four of those eight games you mentioned didn't even have kevin love in it because they came in that eastern conference finals where mr O'Linick had already scarred kevin love with that you know popping the shoulder in round one. So he didn't even have to face both of those guys in four of those games you mentioned. And yeah, it's mainly Tristan Thompson that's been owning this guy. Uh, Al Horford definitely has to step up big. I agree with you there. They paid him big money in the offseason to be that number two guy next to Isaiah Thomas. And while he's had a good postseason, he is not getting his money's worth this year. I mean, the, the guy... Is getting paid superstar money. He has got to step up and be that strong number two option. I agree with you. I do think Horford and Olenek, a lot of pressure is on them because they're facing such a ferocious front. And let's also not forget about Channing Frye off the bench, who is another kind of stretch guy. Maybe not not a big rebounder, but if, if he's hitting threes, it's going to pull one of those guys out of the paint and make it that much easier for LeBron and Kyrie to go to town and do their thing. So... The Celtics have a multitude of matchup problems. You know, Kyle Korver has been really strong for the Cavs all postseason, uh, even when he hasn't scored a lot of points. For most of the postseason, he has taken a defender away from LeBron or Kyrie. The Indiana Pacers kept a defender on the perimeter the whole time. Toronto watched him closely. So even though he didn't always score double-digit points, though the last two games he had 18 and 14 with um, four of six three-point shooting in both of those games, games three and four in Toronto, uh, he has had a big impact on this postseason. And, and and all the three-point shooters the cast can put on the floor, J.R. Smith, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, Channing Frye, I mean, the list is endless. I just can't see Boston overcoming all of these things because the Cavs have both the depth and the star power the Celtics have good depth but I don't see anyone on the Celtics better than the Cavs big three and when you can throw guys like J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert and even LeBron James to guard Isaiah Thomas guys who are significantly bigger and just as quick I just, I'm sorry, man. I, I do not think Boston is going to win a game in this series.
0: All right, so you're calling for the sweep.
1: Twelve and 0, baby. Cavs are going to go to the NBA Finals undefeated. I at least I think.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I think I'm going on record predicting a sweep. I think the only way Boston sneaks a game in is if they win Game One. You know, ten game, ten days of rest, and then going on the road for Cleveland to Boston. That's a different challenge than. Uh, a week's worth of rest between the first round the second round and opening up at home so if the if cleveland gets off at a to a slow start because they're on the road maybe boston will take game one but as soon as cleveland clicks uh, i think they're off to the races and and will not lose a game i am going on record and predicting a sweep
1: yeah i agree with you there i do think if boston's going to win a game it is game one and if they win game one That changes the dynamic of the series because all of a sudden you've punched the favorite team in the mouth. I know you have home court advantage, but everyone thinks the Cavs are the favorite team. If you can steal that game one and change the narration a bit, it puts pressure on Cleveland. So, yeah, I do think that if Boston can steal game one, a, it's the most likely game they'll steal, and B, it would be have a far-reaching impact throughout the series. So I think it's super important for Cleveland to come out here and to quote Austin Carr, throw the hammer down and just show Boston who's boss right off the bat.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, moving uh, to the the west side, uh, actually, uh, the, that the Western Conference Finals ha- have already started, and, and uh, game two is kicking off uh, a little bit later after we, we record this podcast today um we have the stand- can, can we pause for
1: one second and just acknowledge how idiotic it is that the western conference finals will have played two games and get three days off when all they had to do was invert game seven of the of the wizard Celtics series with game one of the western finals and they wouldn't have to take thursday off it, it's completely ridiculous that this series is going to have two games before cleveland even starts
0: yeah, that, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but anyway, we have the San Antonio Spurs uh, playing uh, the Golden State Warriors, the one and two seeds, going up against each other. Chris, we've already saw Game One where the Spurs uh, blew a, a massive lead, mostly because Kawhi Leonard exited that game late, late in that uh, first round. But um, with that in mind, with the with that in mind, that Kawhi Leonard probably won't uh, be playing uh, Game Two either. Uh, what is your prediction for this matchup?
1: Well, this is where the aforementioned three days off between games two and three might actually help the Spurs immensely. Uh, First off, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't play in game two, which it it doesn't look like he is, uh, the Spurs, I don't think, have much of a chance. You, You saw what happened when he left the game. Midway through the third quarter, they were pounding the Warriors. They were dominating them. They were up by more than 20 points. The second he leaves the game, 18-0 18-0 Golden State run, outscored by, you know, 46-22 to or something ridiculous like that, and it's just over. It was over. The second he left the game, he is by far their best player. I know LaMarcus Aldridge has had a fine stretch the last three or four games, but without Kawhi Leonard, the Spurs have absolutely no chance in this series. They will be swept if Kawhi Leonard doesn't come back for Game 3. I don't think they're going to win Game 2, I picked Warriors in six. This was before the series started. But if Kawhi Leonard is injured, the Spurs have absolutely no chance.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that 100%. Um, I I don't know if they'll be swept out of the building without Kawhi Leonard. They they did win on the road against Houston uh, without Kawhi Leonard. So I'm giving them a little bit of credit, maybe winning one of those games uh, at home. But without Leonard, you're you're absolutely right. They're going to lose this series. Um, So with Leonard, though... Uh, assuming they they lose game two without him, Uh, they'll return home down 0-2 with Kawhi Leonard back and moderately healthy. What chance do you give the Spurs of of pulling off an upset uh, considering that 0-2 deficit?
1: Well, an 0-2 deficit, I don't think they'll pull an upset. I think if they could have stolen game one, if they could have preserved that lead and come back 1-1 and then get Kawhi Leonard back, they have a good shot at winning the series because they still have three home games. They would still have some confidence, but going down 0-2 to Golden State, I mean, that's basically, I'm sorry, but I I just cannot have any confidence in the Spurs defending home court in this team, which is why I think it was so important for them to get one of these two just so they wouldn't have to. So, yeah, that injury had a a far-reaching impact. I I don't think the Spurs have much of a chance in this series anymore. I think their chance went down when Kawhi Leonard rolled his ankle. And I know they beat Houston, and they beat them bad, without Kawhi Leonard in Houston. But that was Houston with James Harden. This is Golden State with with four of the ten best players in the NBA. Without Kawhi Leonard, they are getting swept out of the building. And honestly, I would be stunned if they lose any of these games by less than 10 points if Kawhi Leonard isn't on the floor. They are going to get destroyed.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a little bit over the top. But again, I agree that the the Warriors definitely would handle uh, the Spurs without Leonard. I, I agree with you, though. Um, down 0-2, even with Kawhi Leonard, they, they don't have much of a chance. It's really unfortunate that... Um, this series seems to have been determined uh, by the events of the very first game because um, it, it, it certainly, you know, with with the Spurs punching the Warriors in the gut like that and and poised to take game one, you know, we were g- getting set up for what looked to be a fantastic series, but all of a sudden it seems pretty clear cut that the Warriors are, are going to handle the series pretty easily.
1: Yeah, and let me just reiterate, I still picked the Warriors to win in six before the series started, but seeing the Spurs the Warriors down in their own place. And not just for the first quarter. Like, a lot of teams jump out to a first quarter lead, Bob, in some of these games when a team's rusty, but then it's corrected by halftime, and then some halftime adjustments happen, and it's corrected early in the third. They went a good six minutes into the third quarter with a 20-plus point lead, okay? That means they survived two quarters of Golden State adjusting, an entire halftime of Golden State adjusting, and they were still withstanding it. Once you get to that point, I mean, then it's like, okay, this team is owning them, and it's pretty legit. And then Kawhi Leonard goes down, and immediately, I mean, it, 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 it's not like they waited till the fourth. No, immediately they closed the quarter on like an 18-0 run. I, I mean, there's no denying the impact of that injury, and well, I don't know if goal, I mean, if the Spurs win game one, I still think the Warriors would have won the series. But there's no denying that it drastically changes the dynamic of the series. And yes, if the Spurs win game one, they now have a shot to win the series. A realistic shot to win the series. So that injury has drastically altered the playoffs. Uh, Potentially. I mean, you're right. You're right. You can't obviously just completely write off the Spurs. But I'm just about to do that. If Kawhi Leonard doesn't play i'm completely running them off. they are not going to be competitive with this team there's just too much firepower they will not have any answers for golden state without their best player
0: yeah well hopefully that three days off uh that you were so upset about uh benefits Kawhi Leonard a little bit he can get, he can get healthy at least make that series entertaining to watch you know a preference between the two to, to, to win against the Cavs i guess i'm cheering a little bit for the Spurs but um yeah, hopefully it just becomes an entertaining series to watch and is at least a little bit competitive um, as we watch our our Cavs play the Celtics. Um, Move into to some. Not Cavs. gonna lie,
1: Bob, I, I kind of want the Warriors to win because I want round three and I want the Cavs to take two out of three and then ultimately show that 2015, if they had had Kyrie Irving, they would have won that one too. So that that's kind of what I want deep down is for the Cavs to knock off this spurt, this Warriors team that went out and tried to get better just to beat cleveland so i think that would be fun
0: yeah it's that's poetic and, and and nice to think about i want a championship so i don't care who who they play against um all right well moving on to some calves news uh behind the scenes uh chris they, they announced uh in 2018 Goodyear is going to put a uh wing tip logo uh onto their jersey for 10 million dollars a year are you okay with uh the the addition of advertisements on the jersey
1: no, I don't like it, but it's it was inevitable. I mean, you see it happening in other sports. It was only a matter of time before the big three said, "Hey, we have more exposure. Let's make a few extra nickels." And I guess if someone threw 10 million dollars my way, I'd do it too. But uh, no, I, I I I'm not okay with it. But uh, I, I would rather have the Goodyear logo on the Cavs because it's a local company. I think it's kind of cool that they went with the local company instead of some like national chain on the calves. So I, I think it's cool from the standpoint that at least it's a local company. And honestly, the Goodyear Wingfoot logo, it's kind of cool. I mean, it, it, it's, it looks like a, the, the track and field kind of symbol. So it, 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 I think it'll blend in well. And so of all the ways to do it, this isn't one of the worst ones but I just don't like the advertisement on the jersey in general. I, I, I don't think the NBA needs the money, so to speak. So I, I would have liked for the NBA to just say, no, you know what? The uniforms are off limits, you know. But I guess in this day and age, you know, nothing's off limits and, and you'll try to make a buck any way you can. But at the end of the day, I am glad that it's a local company. I'm glad the logo is pretty cool. But overall, in general, I, I'm just not a fan of it.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to it. Um, I, I just hope that they you know th- this is opening of the gate, opening Pandora's box. I, I just hope it doesn't turn into uh, soccer jerseys where uh, you know you identify the almost the logo of the team with 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 an advertising logo, um, the patch in, in, on the the upper left shoulder. Uh, seems fine to me. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really care. $10 million is a lot of money annually uh, to rake in for just a small patch on, on a Jersey. So I, I totally understand why they're doing it. And Lord knows with with the calves, uh, payroll, they, they need all the cash they can get in and, and revenue. Uh, cause, cause they, they are, they're certainly big spenders, but I, I'm indifferent to it. Uh, you know, I, I get why some will be upset about it. I totally understand why, Uh, businesses and teams are are, going to go ahead and and do it i just hope it doesn't lead to more grotesque advertising on the jersey
1: yeah interesting conversation i was listening to the bull and the fox on 92 through the fan earlier and uh they were they threw out the this this what if the cleveland Cavs become the quicken loans Cavs? you know what if they sold the city name i would be super uncomfortable with that if that happened but you know what bob i mean we we scoff at that now, uh, I mean there was a team called the New York Red Bulls. I mean it's it's not like this stuff hasn't happened before. I I, I certainly hope that these the big leagues uh, protect that at least. Um, and and you're right. I mean at the end of the day it is a little patch. It's not like it's that evasive. And the other thing I like about it is it's not like the Cavs aren't reinvesting in the team. They have taken their payroll higher and higher each year and have done what is necessary to stay in contention. So as long as they are using the money wisely, go ahead, make more of it, and keep winning championships.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, uh, some of that $10 million revenue or maybe not, I'll get your opinion on it will be diverted to, uh, extending David Griffin's contract because he's, uh, heading into the off season as essentially a unrestricted free agent, uh, the, the Cavs general manager and reportedly, uh, the Orlando Orlando magic are licking their chops, uh, to talk to David Griffin once the postseason ends and offer him, uh, basically a general manager, executive president, you know, basketball team operations role uh, for Orlando. Chris, are you surprised that you know we're this close to the midnight hour and David Griffin is not under contract for next year? Would you be upset if he left?
1: Yes and yes. I'd be very stunned if he left, actually. I mean, he basically the architect of this team. I mean, look, I, look, with LeBron, it's easier to win. But let's not forget the first seven years of the Cleveland Cavaliers. They had LeBron in peak form for at least four of those years, and couldn't get it done because they didn't have a general manager who could get supporting talent around him. David Griffin has shown that he can make some phenomenal trades. He has strengthened this roster every single year. He has been very creative. He has used every resource available to him to 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 add guys like Kyle Korver. When he, it seemed like he had no more resources to trade, he still pulls in Kyle Korver. Uh, and so, no, they cannot let this guy go. This guy has been just as integral to the architect to, to building this team and their success as LeBron James has, and and I don't think that's an exaggeration, uh, because he's the reason Kevin Love's on this team. He's the reason Iman Shumper and M.J.R. Smith is on this team, and not Deon Waiters. He's the reason Mozgov was on this team, and and Mozgov had some impact for a while. Channing Fry, I mean, he has made tons of great moves. They cannot let this guy go. And and Bob, I mean, if you're gonna pay all, I mean, you got to pay the man. You got to keep him around. He's he's done such a great job. I would be very disappointed if if he were to walk uh, to another team, any team that's not the Cleveland Cavaliers.
0: Yeah, so I am really surprised that Cleveland management, you know, Dan Gilbert, uh, that they have failed to get him under contract and bring him back for the next year because I, I don't see how you can get better than than what David Griffin has done considering the de- depleted resources the the fact that the Cavs are consistently over the cap and just limited in in their options of of making moves. Now, if I'm David Griffin, you know, I, I might be wondering, man, how many times can I turn dust into gold? You know, he he pulls these moves out and, and they've all worked fantastically. You know, the Mike Dunleavy addition obviously didn't work out, but then he turned that into Cal Corver, which, which was fantastic. And he, he's, playing his best basketball now heading into the eastern conference finals you know i just wonder you know maybe he can go to orlando and build a team and maybe that's enticing to him maybe he's interested in doing that i mean what more can david griffin do here that would elevate his status more so he certainly can get paid be it for uh with cleveland with orlando be it with another team i think it's up to david griffin what he wants he gets stability if he's here in cleveland or as long as LeBron is playing in Cleveland uh, and, and they continue to win and, and go to to NBA championships, but you know that that's stressful. That that's incredibly stressful, and maybe he wants a little bit more flexibility. Maybe he wants to actually draft players and and build up a franchise, and maybe a a place like Orlando, you know, is going to offer him a boatload of guaranteed money, and maybe that's enticing to him now.
1: Or he could stay in Cleveland and possibly have three rings at the end of next year. I mean, I'm just saying, if you have three rings as a GM, you can pr- practically pick your spot. So, I, I-, I don't know. I-, I get what you're saying. Certainly, I mean, he- you know, eventually the gravy train is going to run out of steam. But, until it does, collect all your rings. I mean, if you if you end up with three or more rings, that's a dream scenario. And any executive with that much hardware... Can basically name his team and his salary. Yeah, so, but I, I don't get. I, I kind of don't get it. I feel like I feel like it's still a little too early to, to bail on the train, even if even if the light is starting to get a little brighter.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's a rare situation where the GM's contract is is expiring. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and you know, usually you get fired or you resign. Uh, and I think you know, David Griffin, if he signs with the Cavs, his contract is going to take him into the post-LeBron era uh, of Cleveland, or at least the declining LeBron era uh, of Cleveland. And, you know, he might uh, leave Cleveland if he signs that deal uh, as a fired general manager. Now, I don't know if that is going to uh, change his value on the market with other NBA teams, but, you know, he's going to enter this offseason if he if he's not under contract with Cleveland as the hottest GM in, in basketball and one of the most coveted names to, to run an organization – He's going to have a lot of offers and I think Cleveland, you know, from a Cleveland perspective, they they dropped the ball and not getting him under contract heading into the offseason.
1: Yeah, I don't get why he didn't get a contract right after the championship parade. I, yeah. I agree with you 100% there. I mean, him and Ty Lue should have both been locked up right after that trophy was lifted.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's very odd. Very very strange. So, uh, uh probably not any developments from that Too soon, but we'll definitely check in once uh, we get some new news about what's going on with uh, Griff's contract with with Cleveland. Uh, Moving to the Indians, Uh, Chris, outfield troubles. uh, Abraham Almonte heading the DL. Brandon Geyer out with wrist surgery. Uh, That results in Bradley Zimmer, Cleveland's top outfield prospect, uh, their their first-round selection in 2014, being called up uh, for tonight's game against Tampa Bay. Yandy, Dia- Yandy Diaz is optioned back down to Columbus. Chris, uh, Bradley Zimmer in Cleveland, we, we figured we would see him at some point. I, I think both you and I are, are, are a little surprised that he's here in May, um, but we, we figured we would see him uh, at some point during this season. Are, are you excited that Zimmer is getting a shot in the big leagues?
1: Certainly very excited. Another reason is uh, Tyler Naquin nursing an injury down in AAA Columbus as well, so uh, they couldn't even lean on their rookie of the year contender last year. But, yeah, I love seeing the young guys get a shot. I mean, this guy has been touted as the number one prospect ever since Francisco Lindor came up. Uh, he's hitting 294 in Columbus currently, five home runs, uh, 13 extra base hits, 14 RBIs, so solid numbers. The concern is 43 strikeouts and 126 at bat. That is a high strikeout ratio. Uh, so if he's doing that in AAA, he's clearly a guy who likes to swing. Uh, Clear. he's got the frame of a guy who could maybe grow into a power bat. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, look, he is ready for the bigs. It was just a matter of opportunity. He's going to get that chance. Hopefully he can continue this trend of guys coming up from Columbus and having a huge impact on the team like Lindor and uh, the aforementioned Naquin and, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez, guys who have just come up and just played outstanding Uh, So hopefully, uh, you know, Bradley Zimmer can do just that and uh, come on here and make a big impact.
0: I would, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah. The ideal scenario is that Bradley Zimmer comes up and seizes that center field position and becomes the the next Tyler Naquin and has a fantastic year. Um, More tempered expectation would be that Bradley Zimmer gets his first big league experience. Almonte, who's only on the 10 day DL, uh, gets healthy within a week's time comes back, Zimmer goes back down the triple a and he's ready for his moment uh, when it comes, when he gets called back up. So I I think it's good. It it can only be good, you know, for Bradley Zimmer. Uh, He he was on the cusp of being big league ready. He had a fantastic spring training. You know, this moment was going to come maybe a couple months sooner than we expected, but you know, it it was going to happen this year. Bradley Zimmer was going to get some big league at bats. I'm happy that it's happening. uh, And hopefully, you know, best case scenario, he's here to stay. Um, but tempering that, you know, not everyone's going to be hit the ground running like for Francisco Lindor, Tyler Naquin. I I foresee that Zimmer is just going to get a taste of the big leagues and head back down.
1: Are we already ready to call someone the next Tyler Naquin when it's only been one year?
0: I mean, the next season of Tyler (laughs) Naquin. I'm just messing with
1: you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But no, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and the other, the other big thing is Clint Frazier, the guy that was traded for Andrew Miller him and Zimmer were kind of like neck and neck number one they chose to trade um Frazier to the Yankees uh rumor is the Yankees already have uh Frazier on the trade block so if Zimmer can come up and 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 play well that might add some salt to the wound uh getting Andrew Miller and and still keeping one of your best prospects
0: yeah it's interesting I, I hadn't read that um but by all accounts, Clint Frazier is the guy that the Yankees won. It wasn't the Indians making that choice. But, um, yeah, that would be a, that would be great news if, you know, they are, their careers are, are going to be tied a little bit, Zimmer and, and Frazier. And uh, the Indians are, are going to keep track of both. So I think I'm pulling for Zimmer, obviously. Um, moving uh, to a little bit more roster moves, Sean Armstrong uh, getting called up from AAA, The reliever. Corey Kluber's re- rehabbing that back, but Carlos Carrasco exited his most recent start with an injury uh, chris a lot of moving pieces are are you concerned uh, about the health uh, of this roster
1: extremely concerned i mean we've rattled off about three or four injuries and we you know, we've only been talking about the tribe for about five minutes um but good news is rep- most recent report on carlos carrasco is the indians believe he will make his next start so hopefully that's true. Now, obviously, I don't think the tribe's going to rush him back if they don't think he's ready. But if this, you know, this injury isn't very serious and he can come right back, that would be ideal. Because man, they with Kluber getting, you know, healthy from his sore back, they need Carrasco to stay healthy. Uh, just because, you know, those are clearly their two best pitchers. Salazar is a solid three, but but they, if they go down both their aces, I think that that's going to be a significant issue. Um, even if it is just for a little bit. Hopefully it's as short as possible, but um, that, that obviously would be great news if, if Carlos Carrasco can make his next start.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, they, they, need, they need Carrasco just to, to, to get some consistency in that rotation. Uh, Mike Clevenger, though, the replacement for Corey Coluber, I think he's done a fine job uh, in, in servicing and spot starting there. Uh, a great debut against Kansas City and the win Uh, lost against Minnesota giving up three runs but you know still three runs that's not uh, Trevor Bauer numbers (laughs) so I think you know Clevenger certainly proved that that he uh, is able to to do some spot starts and potentially uh, could be a, a big part of this rotation going forward what were your thoughts on his starts
1: uh, certainly, his first start was fantastic. Five point two innings pitched, only allowed one hit and four walks. Very solid stuff. Five strikeouts as well. Uh, the, the 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 second start was a little shakier than maybe the overall numbers suggest. Eighty six pitches to get through the fourth inning. Only four point one innings pitched. Um, that's not a number I like to see very much. I, I feel like Francona kind of played his gut there, got him out before things got too crazy. Uh, so. You know, still, still very solid two starts, and, and you're right, better than, you know, what Trevor Bauer had been giving you in that five hole, and slightly better than Tomlin, though Tomlin has been turning it around of late. So it's encouraging to see Clemenger come in and at least pitch well. I mean, nobody asked him to be Corey Kluber. Uh, I don't think anyone expected him to be Corey Kluber, but he's pitched well and well enough to – I mean, the Indians could have won that game against Minnesota. Like you said, he only gave up three runs uh, – what is it with the Twins, by the way, Bob? They, I feel like they're always losing series to the Twins, left and right. Yeah, uh, that's a team that just has this the Indians number. Um, but but the the standpoint, you know, certainly encouraged by what I've seen out of Clevenger, and you know, also encouraged to see that Corey Kluber making progress. If he comes back and Clevenger is still pitching this way, it, it is going to be an interesting decision to see what happens at the back end of that rotation.
0: Yeah, well. Y- And kind of building off what you were saying, Tomlin, two straight one run outings in May. So that's fantastic to see that he's uh, settled down a little bit. uh, And then just putting some numbers to to Bauer's performance in May, 14 runs and three starts in May. uh, Still concerning that that is going on. But great to see that Tomlin uh, is on the right track and good to see that Mike Clevenger is serviceable as a spot starter or that or a number five rotation guy um, gives the Indians roster uh options uh when Kluber returns the, to the roster
1: I, I mean I easily could see Bauer going back to the bullpen like yeah. he started the year last year I mean I don't think they're going to send him down but I could see Bauer being the long man and, and Armstrong going back down
0: yeah I think uh you know if if I were making the decision today that's the move that I would make
1: but fortunately I mean there's still a lot of time who knows what's going to happen and, and if Carrasco has a setback hell now Kluber's taking Carrasco's yeah. spot so I mean let's keep our fingers crossed that 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 doesn't happen though
0: yeah definitely um all right well uh, some browns news uh rookie camp uh happened, uh and and hugh jackson making some some roster decisions in, in in the press uh announcing that the qb position will be open but cody kessler is the penciled in starter as of right now chris do you agree with that move
1: I mean, I get what he's doing, you know, take pressure off to Sean Kaiser and, and and certainly I don't think it's a bad move. Um but I, I mean we're gonna talk about the Browns quarterback competition a lot from now until September. This is just the first kinda round of what will probably be not just a fifteen round boxing match, but like a fifty round boxing match. It's gonna be inundated with updates out of quarterback <laughs> whatever. Uh what I want to see is Deshaun Kaiser win this competition by a million miles. Because if he can beat out Brock Osweiler and Cody Kessler right off the bat, that gives me confidence that we might have a franchise quarterback because I don't know if Brock Osweiler's the answer, and I don't know if Cody Kessler's the answer. I have a I don't think Brock Osweiler's long for this roster. Um, I don't even know if he'll make it to September, um, and if he does, I don't think he'll be on this team next year. I think Cody Kessler's along long for the roster. I just don't think he's the going to be the guy. I think he's a guy that a guy like Deshaun Kaiser should be able to beat in a quarterback competition. So hopefully, Deshaun Kaiser wins this competition by a mile, much in the way Russell Wilson did. Surprisingly, was named the starter over Matt Flynn. Uh, after they pay, Seattle paid Flynn all that money, Wilson came in and just blew the cover off the ball and won the competition. So hopefully Deshaun Kaiser can do that because that would give me confidence. I, I don't particularly care who has the inside track, as long as our, the prized rookie who was just drafted looks the most impressive when the actual competition starts.
0: Yeah, I think that's the ideal situation is that Kaiser, you know, seizes this. Uh opportunity there's no pressure on Hugh Jackson or the brown staff because of Kaiser's draft position and the fact that they had three picks before him uh, in this draft port for Kaiser to be the starter on opening day so it's really just up to him to to make the best of those opportunities and, and seize that 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 opportunity to be the starter I'm okay if Kaiser needs more time to develop because I think Cody Kessler can be better than the 08 record that he had last year i think you know he was playing with uh, around a very bad team and, and had some very uh you know took a lot of hits and learned a lot but he certainly showed flashes that he can be a serviceable quarterback you know my expectations for what the browns can do this season are very low so if cody kessler is named the day one starter i'm okay with that because I, I think he can improve and, and can be serviceable. I think uh, Deshawn Kaiser is the long game and is has been given leeway to develop. There's no expectation for him to be the starter in his rookie season, um, so so that's okay. But I, I, I like what you're saying. You know, ideally Deshawn Kaiser is just fantastic and is able to be the starter on week one.
1: And I want both Kessler and Kaiser on this roster because I liked what I saw out of Kessler, and you need a guy like Kessler on this team. I mean, I, you know, the Steelers still have a guy like Landry Jones. Uh, you know, you you need a strong backup quarterback on your team uh, at all times, especially if you're the Browns. I mean, they go through them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks in, Kessler was playing. He wasn't supposed to last year. That just is the reality of the NFL. Guys get hurt a lot, and so you need a guy like Kessler on the team. Um, and if he develops into more than what I think his ceiling is, that's even better because then maybe he's the answer. So, you know, I'm not closing my mind to any possibilities. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't care who the name of the quarterback is as long as he's the answer.
0: Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, well, Deshaun Kaiser was, uh, at the rookie mini camp, uh, as were all the, the, the Browns draft picks, um. Howard Wilson, however, the cornerback in the fourth round on the first day of rookie minicamp, uh, fractures his kneecap. He's going to need surgery. He's going to be out for an exp- extended period of time. Um, not going to rule him out for the entire 2017 season, but obviously a rookie recovering from a knee injury in his first year, uh, there's not much to expect from him uh, in this season, I'd say. Uh, and so, uh, you know, kind of a loss. You know, Howard Wilson w- was the only pure secondary rookie drafted in in this draft you know jabril peppers there's some questions about where he's going to play and whatnot most likely safety but howard whistlin was a corner uh he's not going to be a contributor on this roster so the browns go out and they're hosting jason mccourty right now today mostly likely going to sign him mccourty a long time veteran with the tennessee titans uh, at the cornerback position Chris, really sad about Howard Wilson, but Jason McCourty, uh, was a fine player in Tennessee. Are you happy that he might uh, be joining the Browns roster?
1: Well, I'd be happier if he was joining the Browns roster with a healthy Howard Wilson. That is an extreme unfortunate situation because I really like the pick of Wilson, and it's a shame that his rookie year is basically lost to injury. Again, they haven't ruled him out for the season, but as you said, knee injury significant enough, I would anticipate that even if he's able to come back in week, you know, whatever, 10, 11, 12, they might just hold him out for the rest of the year and let him get 100%. So wouldn't surprise me if Wilson's rookie year is really 2018, which is a a shame because I I like the pick. But, hey, Jason McCourty is a good, strong veteran corner. They need help at corner desperately. Um, They need Joe Hayden to get healthy. And they need, and McCourty would definitely help add depth to that position. Um, but right now, if if you're gonna pinpoint the biggest weakness on the Browns, I would say it's the secondary. Um, and I know one in fifteen, there are a lot of weaknesses there, but that is the that is the area that I'm most concerned with going into the season. And it's a shame that they lost Wilson, but at least they're bringing in a good veteran who will be able to show up some depth there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's a good add. Add. Uh, they should have done, regardless of Howard Wilson's health, because um, I agree with you. Secondary uh, for a second straight year does not look good uh, heading into Week One. Um, speaking of that rookie camp, though, Jarrell Preppers missed Day One. Uh, he 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 signed his uh, agreement to participate and play in Day Two. Are you making anything uh, of that? I know I know some people were speculating that it might have been drug related.
1: Uh, Not, not really. uh, To tell you the truth, Uh, it's rookie camp. Um, You know, I know a lot of these guys looked impressive in rookie camp. Um, It it doesn't move the needle for me. Had he missed all of rookie camp, it would have been a bigger deal, but he got in in time for day two. So I I don't think it's a big deal. I I certainly hope it's not drug related because the Browns have had enough of that stuff with Josh Gordon and all that. Another failed reinstatement try and just hopefully that that's not the 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 reason uh but you know i guess we'll see if there was anything more to those rumors
0: yeah for sure um you know one last thing uh rookie minicamp, my favorite story of these rookies so far is the story i read about miles Garrett who turned down a chance to go see the cavs play at home uh with the rest of the browns rookies against the toronto raptors and instead uh wanted to get another workout in so he worked out at the team hotel instead of going to the cavs game for free a playoff game if that doesn't make you excited for this guy to be in a roster i don't know what uh what does
1: all i gotta say is miles garrett is doing everything 100 percent right to the t so far the only thing that's missing is whether or not he can play and we won't know that until week one but obviously more than that but we won't know that until the season starts but I am so happy that the Browns have a guy with such a high ceiling, and he's projecting all the right images and and the character. He's he's doing all the right things, uh, ever since he's been been drafted by the Cleveland Browns. So so it's very encouraging to see your top pick, uh,
0: with this kind of mindset. Yeah, definitely. Well, moving out uh to some other news, um still Cleveland related. Uh Cleveland native Cardell Jones, former Ohio State quarterback, uh graduated from Ohio State. Chris, this is pretty ironic considering Cardell Jones's uh tweet as a freshman. Uh good to see though that he got his diploma um pretty shortly after after uh leaving the football program too.
1: Yeah, no, it's always good to see a guy, you know, make the most of his opportunity at school. Uh you know, you know, everyone talks about athletes only focusing on football Cardell Jones himself had that infamous <laughs> suite, didn't come here to play school uh, but he played school and he got his degree so kudos to him for you know taking advantage making the most of his opportunity yes he got drafted in the NFL but you know he got drafted in the NFL and he also has a college degree so i, I think it's important that that he didn't just waste half of the equation there uh, he got his education and he had you know a huge impact on the Ohio State program he helped them win a national championship too so it's kind of as good as it could have gone for him um so yeah it's always good to see a guy make the most of an opportunity
0: yeah definitely um and then just some some general news uh Yankees retired uh Derek Jeter's number um what are your thoughts on that
1: I mean, you can't
0: not retire his number. He was so impactful. I mean, Bob. When you think of those Yankees teams in the
1: '90s, he's one. Of, he's the first if in person to come to your mind. He was the face of that franchise, part of a true dynasty. I mean, they won four championships in five years. Was it? Yeah, four out of yeah. five championships. That's a true dynasty, and they went to two other World Series during that run, and then about you know in 2009 tacked on another. So, so certainly worthy of being retired there, and yes, he is a lock to go to the Hall of Fame. There's no question about his credentials.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, as much as I dislike the Yankees and and I dislike Derek Jeter because he's a Yankee, you got to respect that kind of career and and, and those kind of accolades. So um, definitely deserving, and I agree with you. Certainly a shoe in uh, for the Hall of Fame.
1: All righty, man. Well, that was a lot of news. That's what happens when we, uh, you know, kind of, kind of take a week off there. But, but hey, we didn't short your podcast. We posted two podcasts up. uh, But we had a lot to catch up on this podcast. And of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers finally, after ten days uh, between games, are going to get going versus Boston here. Hopefully, very soon we will have an NBA Finals preview involving Cleveland. And like Bob said, it doesn't really matter who they're facing on the other side as long as they have a shot to win a championship. But until next week, you'll have to go to FenleyRoadSports.com and catch up on all of our content, including all of our past podcasts and our new blog that we launched called Land of the Clee. We've kind of merged our two blogs into one and focused our blog on a little more Cleveland-focused. There might be some other topics in there too, but it'll be mostly Cleveland. Got some posts up there for you, so check that out as well. You can follow us at Twitter, search Fenley Road Sports. Follow us on Instagram, search Fenley Road Sports. Come back to FenleyRoadsSports.com for all of our content. You can subscribe to our podcast, Clee Talk, via iTunes by searching Fenley Road Sports. Click Clee Talk or click an icon in the upper right corner of Fenleyroadsports.com. We appreciate your listenership as always. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadsSports.com. But until then, go Cavs put the Celtics down, and get back to the finals.
0: All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Cavs.
1: Take it easy, Bob.